Hello and welcome to the O&M Stockroom. We are your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. Tonight is episode 15 of Complimentary Cinema. If you are new to the channel, Complimentary Cinema is a program where we review and discuss films that you can watch for free on YouTube. And uh, be warned that we discuss these films in detail. So consider this a full spoiler alert. Um, this week it was uh, my turn to pick and I actually spent probably the most time I've ever taken to pick a film. I think it was at least three whole minutes. It wasn't long enough. It wasn't long enough, unfortunately. So uh, it was a sci-fi film and I like, you know, here's the problem. I like sci-fi. I like the idea of sci-fi. And it's, it's getting me into trouble more often than not. And uh, I ended up picking the 2017 film, The Beyond. Um, In The Beyond is, uh, well, first off, it's directed and written and produced by Hazraf Dalul. If anybody has been listening to this program for a while, you know that we reviewed another of his films uh, a few weeks back called uh, 2036 Origin Unknown. And that was absolutely uh, aggravating to watch, as I recall. We were not aware that this was the same person. Making, in many respects, an, uh, a very thematically similar film. And uh, just in short summary, this was absolutely arduous to get through. So, uh, 2017, Hazraf Dalol, he, he self titles himself has which just makes me just dislike the guy already yeah he's he's he does the special effects and so there's special effects like every minute in this film this is a special effects uh, disaster as well but we'll get to that later so in the film is a whole bunch of actors i have never heard of or seen before we have uh, jane perry as julian larue nigel barber as alex grant Noelle Lean Kaminsky as Jessica Johnson and just a bunch of other random people that we see just kind of briefly here and there. Um, Ken, why don't you go ahead and lay down our, our basic plot summary here. Get, get us started. So this is a movie about an anomaly that appears over the earth and um, it's near the space station. And they call it the void. And it's basically this big, swirly, sparkly, cloud-looking thing that is just above the Earth. It apparently comes every so often. And it's been studied before, but uh, this is the first time that a human has interacted with it. And In an accident, an astronaut from the space station accidentally gets sucked into the, the void. While doing a spacewalk. And that's what begins our adventure. With the void. Yeah, so apparently this this void showed up back in 1990, which is amazing because, you know, I hadn't heard about it, hadn't read about it before, but apparently it was a thing and it was in space for two months. This gigantic, glowing, bright, swirly thing. And it's that kind of detail that just immediately destroys my suspension of disbelief. I set it further into the future, you know, really. When you're going to have something like that, push it further into the future. An- another another problem I have early on, I'm, I'm, I'm already critiquing this thing. Our first shot of the International Space Station shows it with three of its four solar arrays. They used basically 
public access NASA produced footage of the space station while it was still being constructed and, and showed it in what is presumably a future timeline. Like this film came out in 2017. Even if the film was set in 2017, the space station still would have been completed in construction. Uh, it had all four solar solar panel sets long before long before then. But I digress. I guess when we talk about this movie, uh, the first thing we really need to talk about is the style that it's in because it informs kind of the whole rest of it. So this is filmed as a straight documentary. So it is it is presented as a documentary um, of the space agency that's investigating the anomaly and the people behind who are making the decisions about it. And, um, you know, basically they're trying to decide how they're going to make contact, if it is some kind of entity or if it's, you know, something they need to investigate or, you know, the military wants to blow it up. Of course, because that's what the military is always good for in the story. Um, but that's kind of the, the, the way it's presented. is It's, it's a, doc, a straight documentary. A straight documentary that goes on and on and on. It is uh, two hours of talking heads, really. And you see a lot of the same talking heads over and over again. So I'm, I'm trying to keep it on track here. So, you know, you have the big swirly thing, right? They don't know what it is. So they start sending probes. The probes vanish, you know, relatively quickly. They're not getting a lot of meaningful data out of it. Could it potentially be a wormhole to another place? They don't know. They decide, well, we have to send people, right? That makes sense. You got to send people to investigate this, right? And then one of the talking heads that we see is this aged um, Eastern European, you know, uh, theoretical physicist. Who basically points out that, you know, you can't send people because they'll get like spaghettified by by the immense forces and everything. It's like, OK, well, that makes sense, too. So uh, naturally. They come up with a plan to basically remove the brains of candidate astronauts and put them in essentially a robot body and then send that through the wormhole. Right. OK, that's interesting enough. You know, transhumanism is a is a theme that has you know, likes to delve into and certainly very much in, in this film. So what ultimately, you know, should be a fairly quick process in another film, like say with a good budget and good swift writing, we dwell on the selection process and dwell on the really mundane particulars of, of, of finding, you know, the right people and how to integrate them into this, into this technology and to make it work. To the, to the point that you're well in like an hour into the film and basically almost nothing has happened. And you were just, your hands are in your face waiting for it to end. I think that's the hardest part talking about this film is you could describe it in so few sentences and really capture all the important parts because it's just drag on with every little detail. Um, and it, it's worth noting, if you made a documentary... If this was a real life event that happened and you made a documentary, this is not how you would make it. It is not how you would make it. You would not, it would not be boring like this. I love good documentaries. Okay. A good documentary tells a story still. And a good documentary does not dwell on the same point repeatedly. I mean, how many times did we hear from how many people 
that the the transplant of the brain into the human 2.0 body was a one-way ticket and it was non you know irreversible yeah. probably four times right that's not something that needs to be continually dwelt upon i mean that's pretty obvious from the get-go and you only need to hear it once maybe twice to really you know underscore it and then you move on i mean you needed to say it once and then show it and then it needed to happen and that would have been then we would continue on with that new thing as a character but instead it took another half an hour to get one of these people in this robot and by by the time you get there the payoff for it just it isn't there it, it, it literally they finally get this thing in motion and they say okay now it needs to go through training and whatever and then it goes 8 days later and now we're strapping it onto a rocket and firing it into space. Basically, yeah, the interesting part is what they skipped over. Because the interesting part might have required money to produce. Uh, there was a great thing. They did show a brief snippet of, you know, like uh, some like, you know, stock photos of like a NASA training facility and such. And or, or videos, I guess. I, I don't even remember anymore. And it's amazing how they just straight up blur they just blur out NASA logos and stuff because the space agency in this film, it's called the Space Agency Incorporated. And they love pretty much between every scene. I mean, this must have happened 20, 30 times where they flash the space agency like test pattern. It, it was happening so often, like it was making me physically angry. I was getting more angry every time I saw that stupid thing. There was no need for that. Once or twice, okay, cute. 20, 30 times, no, I'm good. Yeah. And so, But yeah, so they, so they couldn't use any of the NASA logos or anything. So instead of like, you know, this guy's, you know, the, the director's credits are all special effects films. So this is a special effects guy. Yeah. He couldn't use Photoshop to maybe just transplant his his fake space agency logo onto these things they just blurred it out in like ms paint i mean it it was it was terrible and oh and can can you regale us uh, of the other photoshop incident that we saw oh yeah early on in the film there's a, a a you know like you see in movies where you know someone shows an old photograph of themselves and so our our first kind of person contact i guess is the the space agency it, what's her title is it like it's she's like the mission commander kind of she's making the decisions at the the space agency director i guess you could say director. i mean it doesn't even matter anymore well anyway uh she's showing an old picture of her and her husband who apparently has passed away and um they zoom in on the photograph she's holding which is like the worst photoshop job i've seen of her face and this other guy's face who this guy isn't even in the movie. The guy's never even in the movie. It didn't matter what his face looked like. And their faces are photoshopped on, like, facing the wrong directions. And their heads are, sizes are incorrect for the size of the bodies that they're shopping them into. You can even kind of make the outline you can of, see of, of the outline. where they, 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 caught, they, they cut the face and just pasted the face on and then just kind of blurred around. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. It was really I, bad. I mean, we, we actually paused it and cackled at that for and, a good five minutes. And it wasn't just because we paused it. They zoomed in on it. They zoomed in. I mean, it, 
it was like full screen for like not quick like for, a for a few couple seconds, seconds. Yeah. yeah if they had just glanced at it quick quickly like you know like if she was holding it at arm's length it could have passed all right just just a brief glimpse and then you know moved on that had been fine but no we're gonna get up close and personal with this badly doctored photograph and the other funny thing too you know, so like, you know, so this film is set roughly in contemporary times, maybe just, of you know, a handful of years in the future. And the photo looks like it's like from like, it's supposed to be like from like 1960 or something. Like it's all like faded and old and it's like pretty much monochromatic. And it's, it's like what, like this woman's like 45 years old. Right. And like this, this picture of her on her wedding day, you know, it's like maybe 25 years ago. It's like, come on, that makes no sense just terrible a terrible attention to detail yeah but then and I, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna slay this film now yeah well the okay, whole okay and before we move on though there's an, there's more than one scene where they have badly photoshopped pictures then this is a reoccurring theme it, it happens, is a recurring theme it happens with the astronauts later on too where they just photoshopped some people's faces onto actual astronauts bodies or something yeah yeah so like anyway. the orientations are wrong and everything and that just and that leads to the larger issue with this film so I even written, wrote it down in my notes here. Uh, we've, we've got the shaky cam going on. We've got shaky cam going on left and right. The camera does never, the director never wants the camera to really focus on anything for too long. We're inundated with shaky cam. We're inundated with these bright special effects that make it very hard to discern any real detail in a lot of things. And there's a ridiculous amount of computer screen close-ups. Also, typically out of focus, or at least mostly out of focus. And that is what this entire film looks like. It absolutely, the, the only time that you don't see that is when they're doing the, uh, the interview footage for the documentary, when they're talking to people. Anytime there's like an actual event occurring, anytime there's any kind of action, anytime there's a space scene, it is shaky cam and blurry. And it is incredibly hard to watch. It's the colors are pretty. I'll give them that. And it never, it, it just, there's never anything to really feast your eyes on because your, your eyes can never focus on anything. And it's like a really sloppy way to just gloss over how crappy your effects are. I mean, I, there was definitely some of this in uh, the other film that he made that we watched that was pretty bad. And it's just even worse in this one. It's just even worse. Yeah. I think uh, in a good movie, you use the visuals to tell a story and these visuals don't tell a story. They're just completely strange. And like you said, they it's shaking and there's uh, it's not really helping, you know, it's not helping to tell a story. It's just flashy. And, and what these, these visuals actively take away from the story they distract from the story they're not necessary in many cases and i uh, i just feel like there's just such an emphasis on flash and bright and technology and it just and it's all for naught it's like so like uh, right when we started watching this you you made a really great point about the three things Ken, can you tell us about the three things? So um, there's a, there's an old saying in, in production that you can either have something quick, you can have it high quality, and you can have it cheap, but you can't have all three of them. 
you got to sacrifice somewhere. Um, so, and so we, we made a parallel. You made a parallel. So with these, you know, so like with these sci-fi films, right? So like you can have like good writing, you can have good special effects, and you can have uh, good acting, right? But you can't have all three with these free YouTube sci-fi movies, right? You can get maybe two of the three, okay? Now, let's, let's review this one first. Now, I, when we first started watching it, like the special effects seem like they're going to be good, okay? Like they really, you know, they kind of make you, they, they trick you into being like, okay, okay, maybe the special effects will be worth it. They seem competent. They seem competent. But when you realize that it's so shaky and blurry, it's because they can't render anything at a high enough resolution because they don't have the money or the processing power or the programming talent. So this one doesn't win in that regard. Okay. Uh, the writing. Uh, it doesn't get that either. It doesn't get that either because the writing dwells on, it, it dwells in spots. The pacing of it is bad. It's, it is mostly a film with exposition as you, as you were pointing out earlier. Yeah. It's just all talking heads. It's just talking. And that's it. it it's just like, it's like us talking, but even less interesting. Yes. If I may. Okay. And then the third part, you know, is it well acted? I, no, I, I, I won't say it was terribly acted. I, I would say the acting is competent in many of the respects, competent, like it, it serves the, it's serviceable. I can, I could see these people going on to do other films like, like Hallmark holiday movies. Okay. <laughs> I can, a, I can see them. Badge of honor. I can see them in Geico commercials very convincingly. Okay. I don't know. There's what I'm saying is that's the caliber of acting that you have in this film. It's watchable. You can get through it. But the guy who played Alex Grant, Nigel Barber, he was pretty bad. Was he was the, he was Was that the 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 guy in He's the, the older agency? Yes, yes, he's the old he so not that it matters, but he's an older guy who works at Space Agency Incorporated and just he doesn't shut up. And he's really He's always a negative Nancy. He's uh, he he's too intense for this film. He, he he does not mesh with this film well at all. He's supposed to be kind of like a source of conflict in the agency of like with with just how he is, but he's just annoying. Mm-hmm. And some of the conclusions he comes to, like one of the human two point candidates being a what a fire uh, what did he say? The the military ones? No, 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 not about no about Jessica the oh. Cosmo. Okay, oh, so God, I'm, yeah, he yeah, said yeah. he said she was like a powder keg, or she's 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 gonna go off or something. This mild mannered cosmologist, an astrophysicist, a cosmologist who's mild mannered and has no family. He and was worried about her being a at the stars. And he was worried about her being a. So I mean, it, it, you know, so even as a character, he just doesn't make much sense. You could have cut him out, and it would have been a fine movie. But you could have cut all of them out. You could have cut all of them. And well, it would have been the same movie. Just about. You could have put anyone. Anyone can just sit there in front of a camera and talk at a screen. Like, There's no character except for he was the grumpy guy. The The lady who was in charge was the, like, uh, you know, kind she, of middle she was ground. The, she was the Hillary Clinton of the space agency. She was the middle ground. I got, I got Hillary Clinton vibes from her. And then the other guy was like a little bit more positive about things. Um, 
I just none of them had any real personality, ex- except saying, for, except for the jerk. I mean, yeah, I mean, none of them. Uh, it, it was just people reciting lines. I know. You know, but that's not necessarily the fault of those actors. Like th- they were given crap to work with on this. Yeah, I mean that's undeniable. But at least you... there's just not even characters there. Uh, you don't care about. Okay, so like, like, what could you tell me about any of them? One thing I can say about. <laughs> okay, so there's one character that comes to mind. I don't even know what his. I can't even find him on this list in IMDb because there's so many like, you know, inconsequential people on here, you know, so like, so one scene, you know, relatively early on, they're going through like these interviews for candidates for the human 2.0 project. And they keep introducing all these people like, oh man, these are going to be the people in the rest of the film. Well, not exactly. So basically they all wash out and you end up with one guy who, you know, he's wheelchair bound and he's just like, man, I really wanted to do something with my life. And because of my disability, I'm never really going to be able to do that. You're offering me a chance to achieve my dreams. You know, personally, I think having my brain in a robot body is amazing concept. I love that idea. I'm not ready for it yet. Ask me when I'm like 75 or 80. Mm-hmm. Okay. That I'm all for it. Okay. You know, so, all right. So he's, you know, so, you know, so he, you know, so, you know, we, we hear about him, you know, like, you know, what is going on with him, what some of his background is, what his goals are. All right. And he successfully becomes the first uh, person to get the transplant. And then what happens? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. What? They didn't test it well enough. They didn't test it well enough. And his, the suit rejected his biological brain. Basic organ. The only function it's supposed to do is to accept a biological brain. Basic donor, organ donor rejection is such a basic common thing. And then they spend a f- several minutes with more like computer animations showing about, oh, how we, they just magically got around that real quick. They they pump the wobbly fluid. They into just it. pump some wobbly fluid into the, into the. Uh, it it just doesn't matter. Like we've also, already, it really bothered me. Yeah, you, you, we've mentioned it a couple, couple times. But this human concept, they keep calling two point zero, two point zero, which would be technically correct. I know, but no one. Everyone calls it two point Everyone calls everything two point if you're like a normal a normal person, Ken, with normal thoughts and feelings and not the director and writer of this film, you would know that. It was 2.0. But it's 2.0. But 2.0 is just two. I w- <laughs> okay. So, fair. You know, but human two would sound also kind of silly. But let's let's be fair for a moment. Back in the 60s, the second manned spacecraft that NASA ever developed was called Gemini. Not Gemini. It was Project Gemini. Mm-hmm. That's how they referred to it back then. I don't know how people today would refer to that, but if you look at any of the um, like um, recorded or audio or film production materials from that period, it's all Project Gemini. So there is a precedent for the scientific community saying things odd or more peculiarly than we might otherwise in, in common language. So I will let that one slide, but you're not wrong. 
yeah. you're not wrong. It just it bothered me. Even if even if it is technically okay, it just bothered me. 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. I mean, think about like Windows, you know, Windows software development. It's Remember when we used Windows 3.0? <sighs> Windows 8.0? Do you remember that? Windows 7.0. <sighs> Anyway, that's that's a very small thing. I, uh, the band's in a sea yeah. of just boring, absolute crap. It wasn't even. You could have had people say interesting things. They didn't. They were all wishy washy, know nothing, scientific babble people. Like I really hope this is gonna work. This is what's gonna happen now. I hope this is gonna work when we do this. You know what's great is we haven't even gotten to like the big black orbs yet. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to anything that happened. <laughs> and neither had the story. And neither had the story. And we're like, what, 30 minutes or so into into, into our record time right now. So, yeah. And I... <sighs> so something appears in the sky. Hundreds of somethings. And they're all black, liquidy, kind of smoky orbs. <laughs> Uh, you're right, liquidy, smoky, but also digitized and pixelated. Yes, they, they don't look good. They don't look good. Nothing in this film looks good. It looks like it should look good. Yeah. It, uh, ah, man. There's a couple times where things I noticed, they rendered the animation, and on the last frame, they stay on it a little bit too long. <laughs> so like, it should be like a frame, frame, next scene, and it was like frame same frame same frame next scene kind of thing it's like, like uh, if something was animated and then it stopped being animated right before they cut into the next thing gotta save those dollars you know <sighs> this 1.0 dollars or sorry 1.0 dollars <laughs> so anyway they, there's these big terrible looking orbs in the sky and no one knows what they are they're obviously somehow related to this the portal. They, thing. Well, they came out of they came out of the void, and just randomly just showed up everywhere, and they've just been hovering in the sky. And what's great too is about this film, they never actually say how far the void is from Earth. I mean, it looks like it's right smack there. Yeah, you know, like the uh, the moon's like a quarter of a million miles away. You know, the the void looks like it could be like a you know, a hundred thousand miles. I mean, it looks really, really close. Mm. And these giant black orbs, you know, are the size of like, you know, small cities and they're just kind of hanging out. And so that's like the, the background while all this other boring crap is going on. Yeah. And they keep, they keep going like, Oh, like we're on a tight time schedule and like how they don't know anything's going to happen. They don't. Or when it's going to happen or why it's going to happen. But somehow we're on this tight schedule on this mission. And we've got to rush to get it done. But nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. The orbs are just, they're just smoking and flowing and digitizing up in space. For literally weeks. For months even. And, you know, like the doctor who did the first failed, you know, transplant. He even's like, you know, we're being rushed here. We need more time. And I'm watching this thing and I'm like, yeah, they need more time. You know, and at one point... Uh, Mr. Gray-haired, angry, angry face, Nigel, he's all like, you know, we, oh, we, you know, we have to launch within a week. We have to launch in a week. And it's like, no, they don't. And they don't. That, that point is just completely inconsequential and they just keep moving on. And then they end up launching when they feel this, 
you know, this other human 2.0 is ready. Which is like, what, several weeks after. It's like, we got to know right away. We got to know right away. We got to know right away. And that just, that's a really great example of like the problem, like with corporate America too. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh my God, we need everything done right this fucking second. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. Things can take time. And that's another note I want to mention real quick is that the, I think at the, at the end, it's supposed to be inspirational. I know we haven't gotten to the end yet. Yeah, we haven't. It's supposed to be inspirational. <laughs> that's but a it's laugh. really, really not. It's really very dark in the way that <sighs> like you're like corporations and like all the same crap. And this is supposed to be inspir anyway. I, I got you. So it really stood out to me. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll get back to that. So <laughs> So there's the, the they finally launched the damn rocket. It's got two of these robot people in it. One of them the military sent that has weapons in it. And the yes. other one that the scientists sent that has the astrophysicist lady in it. Cosmologist. I'm Cosmologist. sorry. Cosmologist. That's that was but she well, you know, it's they're they're close. So you know, so they go through this void slash wormhole. I mean, to call it a void seems kind of, I, I don't like that term. I'm just going to take, take some issue with that term because it's bright and it's beautiful and sparkly. And that's, it's everything that a void isn't And every time that we see a representation of the void, it is absolutely teeming with energy and action and event. It looks more like a fantasy portal. It does. You know, it's it looks yeah. magical kind of. Yeah. So like when they refer to it in another time as a wormhole, it's like okay, yeah, that could be a wormhole. Yeah. It could be a lot of other things. Calling it a void is stupid. But again, I digress. So they send the ship through the uh, a really wonky looking ship, which they, I swear, they ripped right out of Interstellar. Mm. A very inter, you know, the it film was, Interstellar. Yeah. It's like ah, you know, that, that bugged me. So they basically take that ship design and send a smaller version of it through this wormhole. And you see just, you know, a little bit of, and it's funny because right before that happened, you and I were like placing bets, like they're going to just drag this movie out. And the last thing that we're going to see is them going into the void and then the roll credits. And I, I, I actually think I would have preferred that as a film and almost. So she, you know, so they go, they, they go, you know, you see them for a minute. All right. And then, you know, they lose contact, whatever signal, signal ends. And then, you know, you know, back to more talking, you know, lady director Hillary Clinton is telling us that, oh, my God, you know, we might not hear from them for days or weeks or months or decades. I mean, we got no idea. They were in such a rush. They were in such a rush to get the ship launched. And first off, the ship may never return. The ship may not return for decades, may not return for years. They have no idea. And they have no way of knowing. And they have no way of knowing. Which, again, underscores why, you know, why the rush and the hurry and the urgency when all other things being equal, things are pretty stable. And in the interim, while they're, all, you know, the spacecraft, which they never name, by the way, that seems kind of a kind of a waste. When the spacecraft, I, I guess it's the spacecraft from the Space Agency, Inc. <laughs> From the beyond. <laughs> <laughs> From the beyond. Oh my god. Did I ever name did we ever name this name this film? I think yeah. we did. Yeah, if we didn't, it's called The Beyond. And we're beyond over it. 
So the lady director, Hillary Clinton, goes and talks to her daughter, who apparently was friends with the lady who became a human 2.0. And she basically tells her, like, oh, yeah, she died. There was a problem with the rocket. And I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, this is completely unnecessary. Just tell her she's missing. Why do you have to tell her she died? You don't know that she died. You don't know that she's not never coming back. And if you and if you were that sure that she wasn't coming back, why did you send her? Just terrible, terrible writing. But as it turns out, they're back five days later. It never, you know, and even though the woman is all upset that, you know, well, not necessarily upset, but just openly talking about how she just lied to her daughter. They never revisit that. It's no. just, oh, yeah, the ship came back five days later. And, uh, you know, they, they recover the spacecraft, which is in the Atlantic Ocean. They find, uh, you know, they find Jessica, the human 2.0. The military version, human 2.0, is missing. Gee, you know, I wonder what happened. So, so they, when they recover Jessica, they can access her memories because she's partly computer. So they start decoding memories and they find the full, first of all, they find just generic, weird kind of readings and they have to like wait for her to reboot her brain, her brain to heal. And, um, during this time, the military gets restless and they start (laughs) firing their weapons into the, the black smoke things. For no apparently reason, and not just weapons. Let's let's let let let's be honest here. Well, they far they started with small arms, which is you know little little pea shooters. That's always a good way to fight an intergalactic being. Yeah, just just take like your M sixteen and just start. I oh my, embarrassing. They fired rocket launchers, uh, ground air missiles. Uh, they had attack helicopters, and it, it didn't do anything. And they just moved on. That's just a thing that happens so we can show some some footage of people shooting. To make it seem like there's a world around the events of the pseudo-documentary to keep us entertained. So anyway, Jessica starts getting her memories back. Where does the other thing happen first? Does she, she doesn't get her memories back till after. I've completely forgot. She remembers a little bit. She just remembers a tiny little bit until... That determines that there's debris coming from somewhere else. I no no here's okay so now so they we, spent so much freaking time in this movie explaining crap that didn't matter at all, and how much time did they spend explaining the space debris, where it came from? They didn't explain it at all. They just they showed now here here's where these the, the this film's awful special effects really do this film a disservice so shortly after she's recovered you know they're they're downloading they're able to download bits and pieces at a time of her memory and they're able to reconstruct a couple of things you know but they don't have the full story yet right and she tells them some things that she experienced when she when she did make contact and everything even though nobody believes her yet because she may have ptsd whatever Mr. Angry right. Face. Mr. Angry Face doesn't know if he can. she can be trusted. She does have a memory where she sees the astronaut that got lost. Yes. So and that's what, what kind of sets them off as far as, if she, is she stable? Like, are these memories? Yeah. Is she is a fantasy she had? And, and, and you know, and all that, all that she, he, 
psych- uh, telekinetically or what, t- sorry, telepathically told her was everything's going to be okay. Yeah. That is the whole sum of her trip. That is the whole sum of her trip into the void. Was well, just, oh, hey, it's going to be all okay. So meanwhile. That was the first know, contact. So that was the first, you know, the first contact that we see anyway, you know, with these alien or extraterrestrial intelligences. Which we, you know, through that at least, you know, from her perspective, we can determine that that's what they are. Meanwhile, you just see some random footage of like a, you know, planetary observation probe. Okay. And then you see some random. So I I was looking at this and the entire time. I'm like, what? Yeah. It's what looks to be like two Earth's moons Mm -hmm. in the in the frame. Yeah. And one like disintegrates and the other one looks like something else weird is happening. And it's not clear what it is because they use that stupid ass blurry blurry effect. Yeah. Right. Because like I, I was actually baffled by what I was trying to figure. I couldn't figure out what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. It was just a big blurry mess. All right. And they had already talked about like gravity waves and other stuff emanating from the void before. So it's like, I wasn't sure. Like was the void doing something? Right. Was the void sending something out? I don't know. Who knows? So in any event, you know, a moon or moons or something blows up, is disintegrated, is torn apart by a mechanism that is never revealed, never explained, never even mentioned. And not related to this other portal at all. Unrelated to every other event in the film. Completely unrelated to anything else that just went on. This happens. It's like some natural phenomenon. Some na- like the moon just decided suddenly decided to blow the fuck up and just wrench itself apart and God knows what. And then you see all these, you know, like these fiery debris trails in our atmosphere of just destroying things left and right. And then, you know, back in their little space agency incorporated mission control, you know, you see what I swear to God, it looked like asteroid graphics from like the old Atari game. Of like hitting things. And it was just, that's when I realized, oh, something actually like blew up. And something's actually, that was the set. Well, yeah, satellites were getting blown up and hit by something. And 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 then the the space station was in the line of fire. You know, it's just, you know, they're counting down the the meters before they're going to be struck by this debris. I. Now, here's the funny thing. So, you know, so they're like, oh, my God, 25 meters, 15 meters, 10 meters. Ken, in space, objects. So the the International Space Station orbits the planet at over 17,000 miles an hour. For our, you know, our European and, and other folks listening, I don't know what that translates into kilometers per hour. You'll have to forgive me. But it's over 17,000 miles per hour in, you know, in orbit, right? Now, something traveling in a debris field like that, you would assume would probably be traveling at a comparable rate. Right. And they're counting down like a few meters at a time every few seconds. Seems unlikely. 
You know, who knows what the relative velocities were? You have two, right, two moving targets. You have two, you have two moving targets. You know, maybe, you know, they were kind of running somewhat parallel to each other. I don't know. Beside the point, <laughs> the, so, you know, a piece of debris, who knows what it was from, where this piece of a moon or a satellite is like, like literally within a gnat's ass of the International Space Station, but it gets magically saved. So the smoke orbs, smoke liquid, really terribly rendered orbs, um, suddenly kind of break apart into these small, you know, pixely chunks and form what I can only describe as giant pillar shields all around Earth. And all the debris gets deflected and destroyed by these what whatever it is it t- ends up being the alien presence yeah it looked like uh like lava like lava plumes or something that had solidified that was the best way i could say it. but yes yeah, so you have all these meteors and asteroids whatever crashing in into these things and just kind of just petering off how does that save the international space station though because it's hundreds of meters uh well, the, those parts, the, the, the smoke particles covered it like a blanket. Oh, is that what, is that what, did I miss that part? Like a warm hug. They never showed it. They never, okay, you just have to assume. Yeah. They they saved the day, you see, because that, that's what the point of the movie is, is that the aliens saved the day. They saved the day, all right. Or so I thought was the point. Ooh. We got our little twist ending, don't we? And then it kept going. And that wasn't the end? You know, like, because at that point, I mean, I checked the time and we had like at least 12 minutes more to go, which, you know, of course, you know, anytime we check the time on a film, hey, that's bad. Which in a but, movie like this, that means at least like, you know, at least 75% of that is not going to be dialogue of that and time. It's, I mean, we, we, we were very unhappy at that revelation that we still had 12 more minutes. And uh, <laughs> so what happens in these last 12 minutes? Well, Mr. Uh, you know, missing astronaut from the very beginning of the film that Jessica saw on the other side of that wormhole is magically wandering around the Arizona desert now, happy as a clam, not knowing what the hell's going on. The guy that they wrote off is dead. And then what else? The uh, the the black, inky, pillory, globular, smoky entity starts gobbling up all the other planets in the solar system and they make a new earth like literally like six or seven blocks down the road from the current earth it's hilariously close like so close like the tidal waves would drown everyone all over the world it would destroy the sahara desert florida would be flooded it would throw this planet into an absolute chaotic mess I mean, it was like closer than the moon is. But this is like the gift from the aliens is that they gave us a new planet. Oh, there's a new planet. And that is the moral of the story is that we'll be, we'll have a new planet and that'll be good. And the aliens will come back one day and we'll all be happy together. And they, and, and the great thing too is that they don't send any... Who did they send first to this new planet? The human 2.0. 
Yes, several of them, and quite a few of them, in fact. And they show you a few scenes over a few years. Now, why do they keep making it, these things? Why do they keep making them? That is, a, it was a one-time special event that they needed this to go through a wormhole. Why can't they just send the people? Well, the military had already been uh, developing this for some time, so who knows on that one. But they're all scientist people, not Supposed, the military supposedly, ones. Supposedly, you know, e- even the you know even the military is the Army Corps of Engineers. Maybe they just sent a bunch of those guys over there, you know. But it's but it does beg the question because they tell you in the film, it's like, you know, yeah, we sent probes there and everything, and it's ideal for human life. So we're going to send not pure human life. We're going to send a bunch of brains in robot bodies. Why? There's no reason for it. There is no reason, Ken. No. Mm -mm. There's no reason that this film should have been made. There is no reason that we should have watched it. And there is even less reason that we should be talking about it still. It suffers from all of the hallmarks of of the last movie we watched by this guy. First of all, which is obvious because it's the same person, but of these terrible sci-fi movies where it's like someone has an idea, like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a movie about brains and robot bodies and how that was like, you know, the solution to a problem and, you know, the aliens, they, they welcomed us and they gave us a new planet and it's like, you know how I'm going to make all that happen? gonna make a really boring ass really straight played documentary it's like someone someone thought that was a really good idea i i said this already i'm gonna restate this i love documentaries ken if this was a documentary that i saw like somewhere on netflix that was suggested to me i would have turned it off within 10 minutes yeah because in a documentary there's characters it's not a traditional character in that it's a, it's a real person, but there's people you care about and, you know, a story you care about, and that's what makes it interesting. Not just data, not just facts, but the people and the events that make things interesting. Yeah. This th- has some events. The people aren't interesting. The people are not interesting. The people don't matter in this film. The story should be interesting, but it's not. Like, you know, the idea of tran- transhumanism is interesting to me. The idea of colonizing another world, fascinating. The idea of wormholes, fascinating. Ken, I love sci-fi, okay? I love, I love exploring those ideas. I love seeing people's thoughts in those ideas, unless they come from this guy. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more of his ideas. I'm not interested. Yeah. I don't want to know what he thinks about a box of Crayola crayons. He would find a way to ruin that for me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just going back to the, the documentary thing for a moment. I watched a, God, it must have been a 12 part, several years ago, I watched like a 12 part episode series called The Polar Sea. And it was about a few different people trying to make the, uh, the, the summer trek around the Northwest Passage in, in, in the Canadian Arctic, you know, and that was absolutely fascinating. You know, some were very average people, you know, one was like a cruise ship. One was a family. Another was just some guy whose buddies invited him and then he went and then his buddies bailed and he kept going, even on foot at times. That was fascinating. And that was many more hours than this was. And there is a way 
to keep people entertained and to give them something worth watching. And I really hope that someday this, if this guy keeps making films, I hope that he learns how to do that because he hasn't gotten there yet. It's a lost cause. <laughs> it's a lost cause. He doesn't have the chops. He's got no chops. All right. So to wrap a couple things up. So we got a, uh, one thing I'd like to cover are most useless or extraneous characters. I think almost all of them. All I think the, we can all the talking heads could be swapped with anyone else and it wouldn't matter. Um, best performance in the film. Uh, I believe at one point there was a scene in the garden and there was a orange cat on a lady's lap. I give the cat best performance in this. The cat looked exactly like I felt. Just absolutely dejected and over it. And not caring about anything. Just hanging out. That cat was uh, the spirit animal for the audience in this film. And uh, let me see. Any other uh, criteria that we didn't cover? I think we got just about all the bases there. I mean, the music's forgettable. Yeah. Special Kapol. effects stock. I mean, yeah. there's... None of the people in this film have done anything else that I've seen that I could comment on, so I can't even extrapolate or interrelate to that. So I think uh, I think that we're going to call it a night I on this the, one. The thought I'd like to leave with for, with people is that there's a there's a lot of things you can get for free, and this is not something worth having for free. Skip this one, you know. Like I. You know, I, I do tend to, you know, by chance or luck or whatever, pick a lot of bad movies on this channel. Most of those are worth watching like once. Most of those have some redeeming fun element. Even, this ones, is, even ones we didn't like were sometimes worth one view. They're worth, they're worth one view for some, for some reason. This was just, uh, this was an ordeal to get through. This, this is work. This, this took effort to get me to not turn it off. I had to keep myself from turning it off. Yeah. Cause once we pick a movie, well, that's what we're stuck with. Yeah. For better or worse. And I've, I've instated a rule that we will not watch anything else by this filmmaker. No, we won't. We're going to no. If we see Never his again name in my life. If I see his name crop up again, I it's, uh, that's going to be called the Delol rule. <laughs> we see his name. Click. We're going to pick something else. I'll like, you know, maybe the sisterhood of the traveling pants. I haven't seen that one ever. I bet that's, that's a much better film than that's this. True. That would qualify. You know, that would qualify or the pink Panther. I got, you know, anything, you know? All right. Uh, if you enjoyed this segment, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us wherever you're listening. What are some of the other platforms that people can hear us on? Ken? Yes. Uh, you can hear us on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Stitcher, and, of course, at omstockroom.com, you can find us streaming on that website, as well as links to everywhere else. That's wonderful. And we'll have a new episode up every Wednesday. So, uh, you know, please uh, just, uh, you know, check us out and let us know how what you're thinking of our episodes, what you're thinking of some of these movies that we're covering. You know, do you disagree? Do you agree? Are our analysis spot on? I don't know. I'd be interested to read some of your comments, especially on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, so that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to Complimentary Cinema here on the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.